Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Amen. What beautiful moments. Friends, we could go home today just full of God's love from that moment, right? It's so good. Uh, I love whenever we have the opportunity for child baptism or dedication. It reminds us of the family of God. From little kids running around in the lobby, songs we sing that is love endures the generations. As families, we come and we follow God together. And even if you are here alone, you're a part of the family as a brother or a sister, and you are no longer alone. I'm glad that we get to celebrate these moments together. Well, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Galen. I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you for choosing to be with us in worship, especially if you are new to our community. Thank you for being here. I recognize it's no small thing to walk into a church or in a place you don't know for the very first time. I hope you experience the warmth and the love and the embrace of God through this loving community. Thank you uh, for being a part of this place. Uh, Last week, we started this series called Rhythms, really looking at your everyday, ordinary life. How will God shape and form it? Really, this series is less about the awesome sermon that you're going to hear and walk away feeling, wow, that's amazing. But instead, it's more of the everyday things that you put in your life. That if you give yourself to them every day, day in and day out, over a lifetime, they will shape and transform you into who God wants you to be more than one message ever will. Uh, If you are considering the different rhythms of your life, as a lot of people are in January, I wanted to make sure you knew about our different life groups. In a month, we're going to launch groups that are all the large groups that we have, and there's a ton of them. But even right now, Some of you in the beginning of January say, the rhythm I need is to get into a smaller group of community, new friends who love God and can be a great influence in my life. I want to start the year with better habits and patterns and rhythms. So I want to make sure very quickly you at least know about these, but you can sign up for them only this week or next week because they start soon. Uh, The first one is the Read a Bible in a Year Bible Reading Plan. Some of you maybe have uh, tried to read the Bible in a year before, um, but maybe reading it with others this year would provide accountability for you. You can ask questions. Uh, You don't ever meet in person, but you can read with others in our church on the app. Uh, Maybe you'd want to read the Bible. Secondly, reading the book of Ecclesiastes together. It's a Wednesday night study here at the church. You don't need to prep. You show up. You read it and you talk about it together. Uh, The First Naz Men's Basketball League on Wednesday nights. Men, uh, we play basketball with each other. Some of us are fairly competitive. Some of us are just there to try to get back in shape because we lost it. Either way, it's a great time for uh, basketball. Uh, Fourth is the college life group. We already have a young adult group. We already have a college age life group. I don't know if you've noticed uh, the amount of new people and younger people around this place. Some of them are Olivet Nazarene University students who are driving 45 minutes to come to church on Sunday. One of our families down in Bourbon A said, wait a minute, we want to provide community for them right where they are. So in Bourbon A is where this group is going to be on Friday nights, college students and pizza, because college students, pizza, they always go together, it seems like. So Friday nights, uh, that group. Bridge Theater Group, the 
Bridge Theater brings us the production in the fall, but they're providing a group all year long. If you're interested in theater, you would find community in that group. And finally, Parents of Teens. On Thursday nights, if you're in that unique struggle that is trying to learn how to parent a teenager, you don't have to do it alone. Uh, Thursday nights, while middle school gathering is happening, our parents will get together uh, and have a study, and there's many more. Uh, Sign up for a group. Find connection and experience Christian community. So today, in rhythms, we'll be talking about the rhythm of prayer. We know our lives should look different than the culture around us. As Christians, we should be different and distinct. We don't want to become so well-adjusted to the culture that we just kind of fit into it without even thinking. Instead, we fix our attention on God. We offer him our everyday, ordinary life, everything we do. Fix our attention on him, and then by doing so, he changes us from the inside out. So today, a rhythm of prayer. Can I ask you? How is your prayer life today? Studies actually say if you ask Americans, how, you know, do you pray? Like 95% of people say, yeah, I pray. And I don't know what your prayers are. Like if you're a praying person who does so regularly or just every now and then you're like, oh, God, help the bears. We need it. It's been a year. We got the draft pick. We need it next year. Lord, I don't know if that's your prayer life. Maybe if that's the extent of it, I don't know. But studies would say Americans pray. But here's what I know, and here's what I hear from you as I am your pastor. I feel this discontentment with my prayer. I wish I knew how to do it better somehow. I wish I knew the right words to say. I wish I could do it more often. And it plays itself out like this. You go to the family dinner. You ever been to the family dinner, and you're about to sit down for the meal and pray and eat, and then, like, you look for some reason to the patriarch of the family. Hey, Grandpa Jim, uh, can you pray for us today? And Grandpa Jim... He's walking with Jesus his whole life. He is a saint, and he has the best prayers ever. You been there? He starts to pray, and he's like, Father in heaven. Wait, no, it's Grandpa Jim, so you got to do, Father in heaven. Thank you for this abundant, gracious provision of substance that will fuel us to accomplish your mission. As we look at this bread, we know that you provide our daily bread. Amen. We know that not only you'll bless and nourish our bodies, but you will nourish our souls so that we can in turn share the blessing of the bread of life with the world. Amen. You're like, amen, Grandpa. That, wow, that was amazing. When in fact, if you were at that same meal and they would turn to you, some of you, your greatest fear is probably praying in public. Hey, would you pray for the meal? <clears throat> Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Let's eat. My brother in high school, my parents would say, Glenn, would you, would you say grace this evening? Grace, let's eat. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. We feel like, ah, I wish I could pray like that super spiritual person that we look up to. If that's you today, if you've struggled with prayer, this message is from you. I want to look at a story that Jesus tells and just a few of his teachings. I recognize I can't teach you everything about prayer. I've Uh, We should probably do five weeks in a row. We're not going to do that. I mean, just a few practical pointers that may change your everyday life. First comes from Jesus himself. Jesus' own rhythms. If we follow him, what does he do? Very early in the morning. Oh, Jesus, I'm not really a morning person. You could have made it late at night. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went to a solitary place where he prayed. When you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, everything he did was in prayer. He prayed for people. He prayed and he healed 
people. Alone and by himself, he would go and pray. Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon him while he was praying. He was transfixed into um, the transfiguration happened while he was praying. His entire life, he insisted that some demons can only be cast out by prayer. Even his death on the cross, what do we find him doing? Father, forgive them, for they, not, they know not what they do. He's praying his whole life. We, as his followers, should become a people of prayer. Jesus tells us this story from Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So here's the context. Jesus is telling a story, but he's telling it to specifically a group of people who thought better of themselves than they should. Oh, we're the religious people. We've got it figured out. Thank God we're not like those people. They tend to look down on others. To them, Jesus tells this story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, an expert in religious law, the religious of the religious people. Wow, he must be close to God. He knows all the laws. And the other was a tax collector, one that had betrayed his own people, one that makes his living by cheating others out of their own money, and he gets to live on it his own, and the government is behind him, and you can't stop him from doing it. Disdain when you hear tax collector. These two men go to pray. So we see their prayers. The first, the Pharisee stood by himself. Picture this like, ah, I'm religious. Everybody knows it. Hear my prayer. And he prays. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. The robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Oh, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Is this last line even prayer? Or is he just bragging in front of everybody? Secondly, but the tax collector stood at a distance. And instead, he would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's a few things we can learn about prayer from this story. But before we do, Jesus gives us the verdict. I tell you, it was this man, the tax collector, the person that everybody hated, not the religious, that went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. From this lesson, a few things about prayer First is, if you want to develop a heart of prayer, it is based in humility. What is your posture of prayer? One man says, look at me. Look how good I am. God, you know I've done all these good things. You know I'm a good person. At least I'm not like that person. Look at me, God. You should answer my prayers. I do all these amazing things. I'll tell you all about it. The other says, God, I may not be like that guy. I may not be like that guy. You know who I am. You know every thought, every word, every action. God, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? Here's, the, here's what I love about this story. This story teaches it's not just the religious elite that have access to God. Even those who are far away from God can come into his presence. And he hears and he listens. And Jesus says, in this story, he goes home justified and not the other. God cares about our posture, our heart of humility when we come before him. In fact, in his teaching, he says this, when you pray, 
Don't be like those hypocrites. They love to stay pray. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Why? What's their motivation? To be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full already. Instead, when you pray, Go to your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. When you pray, it's not to get up early in the morning and make your cup of coffee and sit down with your Bible and you put your cup of coffee at just the right angle with just the perfect background. There's a plant there and a colorful Snap a picture and you post on social media. Oh, just spending time praying. And that's fine Like if you're sharing a great thought with the rest of the world. But what's your motivation? Is your motivation to be seen by others? Or is it to share a helpful word with the world, right? We have, a, we have to develop a heart of humility. And I would say this just because I hear it, just a prayerful response to what I hear from a lot of people. I hear this phrase, man, we're a praying people because prayer works. We pray because prayer works. And I believe it. It is true. Prayer does work. But what do you mean when you say prayer works? For some, it means when we pray, we get the results that we want, When I pray, God answers me and does what I want to. I would remind you that God is a person. God is not a cosmic genie here to grant your wishes. God is not a vending machine that if you just put the money and push the right buttons and then the thing comes out and you get what you want, if I just pray the right prayer and do the right thing, then God will answer. God is a person who desires relationship. And so when we pray, he wants to hear from us as a father who loves us. Sometimes good fathers say no to their children. Prayer working doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. But here's what I would say. Prayer always works, but the thing that it works on most of the time is us. Even if God doesn't answer my prayer, he's working within me as I pray to him, changing me to become who he wants me to become. Prayer works, even if I don't get the answer that I want. Pastor Tim Keller writes these helpful words. God will either give us what we ask for or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything that he knows. And you can be like, well, that's fluffy words from a pastor. He doesn't know my life. He's not my situation. Pastor Tim Keller writes these words as having cancer and may not see the other side of it. And saying, I can still have faith that even if God doesn't give me what I want in prayer, he is still good and faithful and trustworthy. And I believe, as Romans says, he can work together everything for the good of those who love God. So we say, well, prayer works. But it works on us as we pray and spend time with God. Secondly, today, if you want to develop a heart of prayer, I believe it has to come from a place of honesty. For some reason, many of us grew up in um, traditions where we recite prayers or you read prayers, and those are phenomenal because they teach us things about prayer. But if you memorize them and recite them to the point that you're no longer thinking about it, we've missed the heart behind it. So we pray prayers to think we're heard because we've memorized it, maybe, but I think God instead looks at our heart. And what God really wants is for us to express honestly what we're thinking and what we are feeling. Uh, I've, I've said this lately, and I'll say it again. My favorite kind of prayers, my favorite kind of prayers are messy prayers. God does not require perfection of what words we think we should be using when we're praying. All he requires is obedience 
and honesty. What I mean by messy prayers, I want to develop the habit of praying as my family, uh, with my spouse, with my kids. And I, you're praying with a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. It gets a little messy. What do you want to thank God for today? Oh, Bubby and my family, and yes, and yes, that's all good and wonderful. And yeah, I want to thank God for TV and shows today. And Okay, yeah, that's cool. What do you want to pray for? I want to pray for our family. Oh, that's phenomenal. You're such a spiritual child. I want to pray for this and pray for that. I want to pray that I can get everything I want. I want a marshmallow squish mall, and I want some goldfish in the morning when I wake up. And I want, there's something within us that wants to be like, no, stop. You should pray about the spiritual things. Let them pray. Let them pray. They can thank God. They can ask God for whatever they want. What's the worst that happens? God says, meh, no. It's okay. Watch this. We have grace because they're children. God has the same grace on you as an adult because you are his child. He doesn't expect you to like, well, I believe in Jesus. I just began this relationship with Jesus. I just got baptized. And now you're supposed to be mature like you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. You're a child in the faith. It's okay. Just bring to him honestly with what is on your heart and he will listen to you. Does a father ever turn away from his child? No, I don't want to hear you anymore. You should say the right things. No. Bring to him in honesty. He wants to know your heart. He wants to hear from you. His teaching on this, when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans. They think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you even ask him. He wants you to come and to talk and to listen and to be with him. And I love this last line. God knows what you need before you even ask. Sometimes you don't know what to ask God. If I, as I have pastored you and you've come, and Pastor Galen, here's a tragedy. Should I pray for their healing? Should I pray for comfort in these days? I don't even know what to pray for. If that's you today, I want to point you to this, and it's from Romans 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we should be praying for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You ever come to the point where you're like, I don't even know what to pray? God's promise in his word is that even in those moments, God knows your heart, and he knows what's best for the situation. God, I don't even know what to pray for, and he's like, it's okay. I do. I know what's best. I hear your heart. Let me move on your behalf. Thank you for bringing it to me, even though you don't have words. So even if it's wordless groans, we can turn to him in prayer. On the practical side, this entire series is really meant for you to go home and have a conversation. How are we going to pray? Here's what I would say if you're here today. Like, Galen, I've ne- I'm new to prayer. Give me a little guide. I want to walk through Philippians 4 with you. There's little guides at the next step corner as well, and it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your new life. God, thank you for the things in my life that you bring joy to me through. Thank you. Remember when you pray, the Lord is near. God is not some God who's far off and distant in heaven and apathetic and doesn't care what you have to say. He's a near, present, loving, heavenly Father. Keep that in mind when you pray. And don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer. And I'll stop right there. Different translations say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about 
everything. Uh, maybe you grew up in a town, I don't know if Lamont, Homer, Lockport, anywhere around here, Orland uh, does, I don't hear them from my house, but maybe you'd have a, like a town bell or chime when it hit like noon, it's like dong, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you grew up in a town with that, like 9 a.m., dong, you know it's on the hour. And some communities and cultures around the world, when you hear that, dong, it's a call to prayer. You get up, you get out of your house, you go, and you go pray. Someone taught me this. It's been one of the most powerful things in my prayer life with Jesus. When I have worry, anxiety, or fear, treat those as, dong, it's time to pray. Oh, I, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm afraid I don't know what's going to happen with my kids. Dong. God, could you help them? I'm afraid because I can't control the situation, but if you are the God who's in control, can you help them? God, I'm worried about what's going to happen in this mixed meeting. I don't know how they're going to take it. Dong. God, could you go before me? Go ahead and go in. Speak in, like, wherever it ends up, may it be what, you, what would please you and what your will would be. When you have worry and when you have fear, and when you're expressing them to your friends and venting, that's fantastic. You can process with them, but also take them to God. It should be a call to prayer. Don't be anxious. Pray. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you may not even understand it, will guard your heart and your mind. Guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Jesus, or said in another way, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let the petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Finally, today I would say, if you want to develop and cultivate a heart of prayer, Make it hourly. And I don't mean hourly as like every set hour of the day. You can do that if you want to. But I would say this. Throughout history, people did not have the written Bible. It wasn't printed until the 1500s. All they had was their Sunday church, what they could memorize from what they heard, and their groups of meeting throughout the week, and their prayer life. And that was enough. Sometimes in our American consumeristic mindset, we just need another sermon we need another study. I need to read another book. I need to know the new perspective. What are they saying now? What if you already have everything you need to know and experience God? You would sit in prayer and experience Him. Today, hopefully gracefully and gently, I want to ask you this question. What is the gap between how much you think you pray and how much you actually pray? It's so easy for us in like Christian culture. Yeah, pray for you. Yep, pray for you. Yeah, thinking about you. No, I was thinking about it. I was praying for you. But how often do we actually pray? And, really, and I don't mean this in a condemning way. Remember last week, and I'll remind you. We often fail to live out our aspirations. I want to be a person of prayer. I want to pray for people. But yet we always revert to our habits and revert to our rhythms. So what if we set in rhythms in place in our life? that make us a person of prayer. We don't forget to pray. We actually spend time in prayer. When I say hourly, I want to show you just some examples. Throughout history, even in the Old Testament, people would pray at different times throughout the day, maybe 9 and noon and 3, or the divine hours, 6, 9, 12, 3, and 6, the different prayers. Maybe if you're new to it, it's a great place to start. 
10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes before bed. And if you start, that feels like a long time. But sit there in the silence and keep thanking God for things and asking God for things as it comes to mind. For me, this is my pattern. When I wake up in the morning, at 11.50, just before midday, how am I doing? God, check in with you. Have I been living life with you? Have I been doing what pleases you? At 2.52, which is a very oddly specific time, I know, my watch goes off, it's a call to prayer, from Luke 2.52, and that's when I pray for my kids every day so that I know that I'm praying for my kids. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all people. So I pray that for my kids. And again, 3.20, Pray that God would do far more abundantly, immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in and through my life and in through my ministry and in through my marriage and in through my family and in through our church and in and through our world. Far more than we could ever ask or imagine according to the power at work of his spirit that lives within us. It's a Bible verse that's 320, so I prayed at 327 and before bed. For you, I'm just these are ideas. When will you begin to establish a rhythm of prayer for yourself or for you and your spouse, or for you and your family. Just like last week, if you were here, a message on Sabbath, oh, it's okay message, but if you do it, we'll change your life. When could you choose a time to pray? Practice it, and you'll experience and know God. And a final thought today. It was almost two weeks ago, um, many of us were watching or heard later about the Bills player who collapsed on the field. In a, in a game that wasn't quite a playoff game, but had all the playoff implications in the world. This is a huge game, highly televised. Like, this is the NFL. They make so much money. Everybody is leaning in. Everybody's watching this. This game is important. Oh, we're rivals. We don't like each other. Who's going to win? And in one instant, when things in this life we realize are no longer in our control, it drops us to our knees and asks God to intervene. And a culture that's trying to do away with Christianity and our values and our beliefs, and I can't believe you're a Christian. Are you kidding me? In our moments of greatest needs, we recognize that we need something other than ourself. And so we drop to our knees and pray. Not only on the field, but on street corners. People that were probably yelling at each other five minutes before put their arms around one another and pray. And not just in that place, but for the next week to come, teams and people all over the country begin to gather together and pray. Even a, an, an announcer, and this was bold and I love this, instead of just tweeting prayers for you, hope you're better, praying for you, well wishes, and those are fine, those are great, the commentator on NFL Live to actually stop. Hey, we're all saying we're praying for him. Can we just pause and do that? So on live TV, national broadcast, let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. For me, it gave to mind and recalled these images People on their knees asking for God in a life or death situation. Now, our situations may not be life or death in the way that we would see them, but what if we would become a people as individuals, as spouses, as families, as life groups who would band together and pray, God, my marriage needs help. God, my spouse, I need you to change them. God, I don't know where my kids are on their journey with you. We're banding together. God, could we pray? Because it may not be life or death in this life, but we know it's life or death in the next. God, would you move? What if we became a church that says, God, this is a place of society around us that feels like it has it all together because there's fancy homes and nice cars. 
God, I know these people are experiencing the lostness. They have no hope within their soul. God, would you be the healing and the hope for them that they so desperately need? God, could you use us as a church to do it? Would you come and move in and through us to make yourself known in the world? No great move of God ever happened apart from prayer. And if we want to see it, we have to become a praying people. Here's what we're going to do with the final few moments of this service. Just a moment, I'll close and pray and say amen. And when I do, there will be quiet moments in this service. I recognize for some of us, we come to church and we can do the routine of church. They, like, well, we did it, did I get done? And we never actually stop and pray with God. For some of you, you may want to come forward and you can kneel at the altars as a sign of, God, I want to meet you here and pray to him. You can pray in your seats if you want to. Some of you may want to grab your family with you or spouse. Come together. Come and pray. If you're here today and you want someone to pray for you, Pastor Phil and I will be down on front on the sides. You come forward and we will pray for you if you would like. If you don't know what to pray at all, there'll be a guided prayer on the screen that you can follow along. This next space is intentional. It's supposed to be quiet and silent so you could disconnect from the rest of your life and connect with God for just a few moments. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. God, here's my prayer for this time. You know what we need. Meet us here. I'm well aware that for many in the room, what they need is not a good talk or a good song. They need you. They need your power, your encouragement, your healing, your presence. So God, would you yourself, and only way you can, minister to your people in these moments of prayer. Let us see and feel and know you are here with us today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc slash engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.